0: Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camaria. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. Well, good morning again. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's great to see all of you. If you're visiting here for the first time, I would encourage you to come back and hear Pastor Chad in the future. But thank you all for being here. What an honor it is uh, for me to have this time with you. And my prayer is that we will be encouraged and comforted and uh, inspired even today, and so I surely hope and pray that this will be a blessing and a help to all of us. Uh, The name of the message today is Good News in the Bad News. How many of you understand that this world is full of bad news? Okay, how many of you could use a little good news this morning? I could, I could, and so we've titled this Good News in the Bad News, and kind of a theme for this, I want to give you a gospel-centered approach to a grief-stricken heart. And you'll see that as we go along here how this will apply, I believe, to everyone. I have learned that everyone leaves. Sooner or later, you and I will die and will physically leave this old earth. Either we go through the long goodbyes such as a disease or some type of illness, Or the sudden, quick departure. Normally people pass one of two ways. But everyone leaves. I've also learned that everyone grieves. Someone or something, depending on who or what you lose, it could be a person that you love dearly, it could also be a pet, a possession, property, power, your own health, or even purpose but we all grieve. In the Jewish scriptures, there is a book of wisdom known as Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 13, and it says this, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that social merriment is heaviness. This simply means that laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, grief remains. Everyone leaves, everyone grieves, And I also have learned that everyone believes. Believes somehow and in something. Some people believe there is no afterlife after a person passes away. Some believe there is an unknown afterlife we don't know for sure. Some believe that there is a next life like reincarnation. Some believe in multiple lives where you leave this earth and you enter another person. Some believe in a bad afterlife. Some believe in a good afterlife. Some believe in eternal life. There are a lot of different belief systems out there. And one thing that I have learned that grief and belief are somewhat connected, let me illustrate it this way. A man was going on vacation to Miami and his wife was going to meet him later. There was a problem at the airport so he had to take a later flight. When he finally arrived in Miami, he heard on the news that Miami was having a massive heat wave. He decided to email his wife, but sent his message accidentally by mistake to an elderly minister's wife, whose husband had died the day before. His email read this, dearest wife, I departed yesterday, as you know, and I just checked in. There was some confusion at the gate, but I receive confirmation of your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) You'll be surprised how hot it is down here. (laughs) So I have learned that grief plus belief can bring relief and that's what I want to help you with today. It is important to remember That faith does not eliminate the grief, but it can help. Unfortunately, some communities of faith judge and expect members of their spiritual body to get over the grief by a certain time period in the bereavement process. So sad, and I do not believe this church falls in that category, based on what I've seen these last few weeks, and that is so encouraging. A person's faith can be challenged in the grief process. However, it can also be strengthened during this time as well. So today, how does faith help our grief? How does a gospel-centered approach help the grief journey, a grief-stricken heart? First of all, we must find out what is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses one through six, a definition of the gospel. And the apostle Paul writes to these believers in Corinth, and he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, also implied sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." "'For I delivered to you as of first importance "'what I also received, "'that Christ died for our sins "'in accordance with the Scriptures, "'and that he was buried, "'and that he was raised on the third day "'in accordance with the Scriptures, "'and that he he appeared to Cephas, "'also known as Peter, "'then to the twelve. "'Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, "'most of whom are still alive, "'though some have fallen asleep.'" or we might say today, passed away. So we see in this scripture a good definition, the exact definition of the gospel, the good news, that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, our life that we could not live, gave his life willingly because of his great love for us, died on the cross, was buried, and three days later, rose again, and he is alive, and that's why we sing about that living hope because he is alive and living today. And because of that, that is good news to every single one of us. Because everyone leaves, because we do pass away, but we have the good news of knowing that it doesn't end there. Everyone grieves and it's hard and it's difficult when we face loss, but we know that there is good news even in that. And everyone believes in different varieties. And I deal with people from Baptist to Buddhist all here in this area. And there are lots of variation in different beliefs. But I found the good news is something special. And my friend, if you're here today looking for good news, you're in the right place. Because there is good news found in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14, one verse, I just want to add quickly. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. And he is alive, and because of his resurrection, we have this living hope. I want to say to you with that in mind and understanding that, let's talk about how the gospel helps us. And number one, the gospel brings peace in the problem. Grief is a problem. When you lose someone, when I lose someone, it is a problem that we now find our way that we didn't request it, it was never on our bucket list, but now we find ourselves with a problem because our loved one or something we loved is now gone. It can cause problems with our sleep, our appetite, memory, physical well-being, finances, retirement dreams, and even family relationships. Grief can cause anxiety, worry, fear, and even crying and sometimes continual crying where we can't stop. The late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken was on an airplane when an infant screamed and would not stop crying even though the mother and flight attendants tried every trick they could think of. Finally, Mr. Sanders asked if he could hold the baby. He gently rocked it to sleep and Later, a passenger said, we all appreciate what you did for us. Colonel Sanders replied, I didn't do it for us, I did it for the baby. You see, sometimes in our grief, we have tears and crying and we hurt so much and no one really understands and it's wonderful to know that perhaps we could say the everlasting arms of God can comfort us and bring to us peace in the problem of grief. Believing in the gospel brings peace in the problem. The gospel reminds us that grief is an expected part of life and promises that Jesus will give us peace in the problem according to John 16, verse 33. The gospel is also the solution to anxiety and fear, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. The gospel assures us that our loved ones are safe, happy, healthy, free, and no longer suffering Revelation 21, verse 4. I have found that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us peace in the problem. My grandmother was an amazing cook, a very nice person, just just loved people, a woman of faith. And I remember throughout her last four years as she developed Alzheimer's and went what we call the long goodbye, and as she suffered and dwindled away with her memory and just slowly faded into death, it was such a hard, hard thing to watch and witness. What a comfort, what a peace it brings to my heart and our families of knowing that she is no longer suffering with that disease, that she is a whole lot better off. And she is happy, safe, and free. And what a wonderful peace that brings to us who know those who have passed from this life. And brings peace, knowing that they are resting in peace and may I add to that, living in peace in another place. The gospel also brings hope in the heartache. Grief causes the heart to ache. It feels like part of your heart died with the person who passed away, does it not? Life can feel so hopeless without your loved one by your side. Have you ever felt hopeless? Did not think there was any way you were going to make it through? Get through the day in your grief. When I first moved to California, I thought, what in the world have I done? On a list of 50 states, California was number 49, followed closely by Alaska. (laughs) I just never thought I would come out here. I was from the South, born in Jacksonville, Florida. My dad was in the Navy, then moved out here, uh, then moved up to North Carolina when I was two years of age and, and lived on the East Coast. I just never thought, I knew people out here. I'd visit here once before, just never thought it would happen. And God had other plans. I never forget after driving eight days with my wife, four kids, and our little dog, when we arrived in California, we finally got here, my wife turned and looked at me and she said, promise me one thing, we're never going back. We knew that we had found our home, that we were where we were supposed to be, and many times I've thought, is there any hope? How are we gonna make it here? This is a lot different than the South and all of that, but I knew that God was with us and he brought hope in those situations. Believing in the gospel brings hope in the heartache. It reminds us that our life is not hopeless, and it reminds us that the God of hope, as he is called in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, will be with us in the heartache. He will never leave us, never forsake us. Hebrews thirteen five. The gospel assures us that there is a real place called heaven according to Jesus' own words in John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. And that this life is not all there is. Philippians one twenty three says there is a place called heaven with Christ which is far better. And as we grieve our loss... The gospel reminds us that we will see them again. It is not completely over and that we are are only separated temporarily. The gospel emphasizes that death for the believer is just a change in location. Though it is very hard, even as believers, to go through loss. And I have found that the gospel-centered approach to grief is the best view and I believe the only way according to Jesus words I am the way the truth and the life but it brings us a living hope in the heartache I have a friend in Ventura that's passed away now and John was if this makes sense it sounds like an oxymoron he was an evangelical humanist he was very promoting of his atheistic views and I ministered to his wife they had grown up religious, religiously and then f- forsook that. His wife was okay with it, but she had dementia, and I dealt with her, uh, f- ended up officiating her memorial service at the uh, C- Sierra or Sarah Retreat there in Malibu. What a beautiful uh, ceremony that was. Um, and then something happened at that service that I was not expecting. In front of all these people, the whole family and friends, knowing how much John was against God and heaven and all those type of things. John stood up in the middle of the service, towards the end, I would say, stood up with tears coming down his cheeks, and he said, I have to say something. I just really believe that there's an afterlife. I just really believe that I'm going to see her again. And I thought, and everyone was dumbfounded, if you only knew this, this guy, that there was something in him that was coming up saying, this can't be all there is. There must be something else after that. And I was able to minister to him and talk with him about those things after that. It was quite amazing because he knew there had to be something else. There has to be some hope in this heartache. And they had a beautiful marriage, an amazing situation. But he did not want to live without hope that he would see her again. I would like to say next that the gospel brings gratitude in the goodbye. Gratitude in the goodbye. Grief is difficult because we have to say goodbye to people and pets. Sometimes people pass away so quickly we don't have the chance to say goodbye and that's hard to deal with. Sometimes we think that person will call or come through the front door just like they used to have you ever felt that way have you ever picked up the phone and tried dialing that person's number only to realize as the phone was ringing they're not going to answer I have sometimes they pass away with a long goodbye and you slowly tell them goodbye throughout the months and years and part of them passes away with each and every day and it's hard to say goodbye. I had one man, I was speaking, he came and afterwards and he, he said, I don't know if you ever heard this before, but someone said that 90% of men kiss their wife goodbye when they leave the house. And 10% kiss their house goodbye when they leave the wife. I don't know what he meant by that. I think I do. But I like this a little bit better. Saying goodbye to someone just means there's a hello waiting around the corner. And believing in the gospel brings gratitude in the goodbye. The gospel adds a spiritual hello after the physical goodbye. It reminds us to be grateful to God in all things, including bereavement. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 It helps us focus on the time that we had with the person instead of focusing on the death. Whether we had five years, 15 years, 25 or 50 years, James 1, 17, we understand that every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from our Heavenly Father. And so we can choose with gratitude to focus on what we did have or what we do have. It reminds us to be grateful for the good times and the memories that we still hold in our hearts. It makes us grateful for what our deceased loved ones taught us about life and love. I have learned that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us gratitude in the goodbye. I'll never forget when I was 10 years old, my granddaddy passed away in Virginia And I'll never forget the memories. And the first thing that came to my mind is granddaddy always when he would visit would make us eat our broccoli. And I did not like broccoli. He would always say, eat your broccoli. There's a lot of people starving in this world that love to have that plate of broccoli. And he would sit there stare at us until we ate all of our broccoli. And now I've thought about that many times and now I love broccoli, Pastor Chad, especially with ranch dressing on top. Anybody else eat it that way? All right, God bless you and you. Okay we can hold on, even in the goodbye we can hold on and think of things that we are grateful for. Next I would like to say the gospel brings patience in the process. Grief is a process, so be patient with yourself if you have lost a loved one, a pet, a house, a relationship or finances even. It is a journey that we go on you don't suddenly get over it one day, you get through it You can't go around it but you can go through it. You don't graduate after a certain amount of time. It is important to remember that it is a process. It is a journey. And everyone grieves differently too. It's different for each of us. In different times and in different ways. But believing in the gospel brings patience in the process. It reminds us that we can do this and we can get through this bereavement process through Christ, Philippians four thirteen. It assures us that God is not mad at us and that he still loves us even though we are grieving a particular loss. His love is everlasting, Jeremiah 31, 3. The gospel reminds us that it is normal to grieve even as a believer, 1 Thessalonians four thirteen. It tells us to run our race with patience as our eyes are fixed on Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And I have learned that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us patience in the process of, Marla Runyon gave her all to qualify for the Olympic games in 1996, but her best time finished short of the mark to make the United States team. Undeterred by that failure, she returned in the year 2000 and made the team for the Sydney Olympics. Her eighth place finish in the 1500 meter race was the best finish ever for a United States woman runner. The thing that makes Runyon's accomplishments even more remarkable is that she is legally blind. She is the first legally blind athlete to ever qualify for and compete in the Olympic Games. Think of the patience that it took in that process. And God promises through a gospel-centered view as we approach grief and loss that he will give us the patience we need for this process. The gospel also brings comfort in the confusion. Comfort in the confusion. Grief can be very confusing. There can be a lot of questions to answer and paperwork to fill out, death certificates, insurance forms, etc. One of the first questions a griever asks is What do I do now? What's next? Why did this happen? Many times, even believers will say, why did God take my loved one or allow this to happen? And we are confused and it's hard. One of my friends who calls herself spiritual said, she said, did you hear about the lady who said, I finally got a hold of my inner self and she's just as confused as I am. Confusion is everywhere. We are reminded in 1 Corinthians 14, 33 that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. It reminds us that the gospel brings comfort in the confusion, that we are not alone in our grief. God is close to the brokenhearted, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 34, 18. He is close to the brokenhearted, those he is near. God will never leave us, Hebrews thirteen five. He has not abandoned you through your pain and loss. He understands he is with you. He is your comforter, your advocate, John fifteen, twenty six. The gospel helps or equips us to comfort others who are grieving. Second Corinthians one three and four. The gospel indicates that we hold them in our hearts, Philippians 1, 7, and also indicates that they are with us in spirit, Colossians 2, verse 5, waiting for us to be reunited again physically, 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, and watching down on us and cheering us as we run our race, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I have learned that the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us comfort in the confusion when I was in high school my dad would come watch me play basketball and soccer and every time I would score my dad would go that's my boy he'd yell in front of everybody and totally embarrassed me I had red uniforms and my face would immediately match. he would say it I mean and he would one time he got so excited he did a cartwheel after the game I think he hit the winning shot he did a cartwheel and it's like whose dad is that but my dad cheered me on, cheered my brother on when we played sports, and now that my brother has passed away, I can hear my brother say, even at this moment, I can almost hear him saying, that's my brother, that's my brother, cheering us on as we run our race with patience as we move forward in faith and courage. The gospel brings forgiveness in the frustration Grief is very frustrating, to say the least. The result of frustration is anger. When something does not go our way, we immediately become frustrated, then angry, which can lead to resentment, bitterness, and ultimately defile a person, according to Hebrews 12, verse 15. Many grievers become frustrated with family, God, medical staff, deceased, and even have hard times forgiving themselves. And it's very normal and common for us to live in the if-onlys or the should-haves of grief. The story is told of an elderly lady who never married. She seemed to be so resentful that she never found the right one. So she requested that at her funeral, there be no male pallbearers. In her handwritten request, she said, they wouldn't take me out while I was living. I don't want them to take me out when I'm dead. She was resentful because no one cared, I guess. But the gospel brings forgiveness in the frustration. Believing in a good God of love and forgiveness will enable us to understand our identity in him that we are accepted and forgiven, which will then enable us to forgive others. Hebrew, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 32. When I lost friends to suicide, made me angry, didn't understand, that was hard. When I suffered loss of friendships, I was bitter. When I was really small, I lost my little cat, Whiskers. I didn't know how to handle that. I was hurt. We had another family cat named Cuddles. And some jerk ran over that, cat I'm kidding, I'm over But it's hard when we lose people and things that we love. But the gospel-centered approach to grief brings us forgiveness, knowing that we are forgiven and through that Christ in us, that living hope will enable us and help us to forgive others. Though it also is a process and very challenging and a daily decision. And then let me give you one more for today. The gospel brings purpose in the pain purpose in the pain grief is painful oh how much it hurts there are no words to describe the severity of your loss and my loss the pain can be emotional mental physical and of course spiritual for most people the pain will lessen over time as we learn to adapt and cope it's like a roller coaster Have you ever been to Disneyland, the happiest and most expensive place on earth if you have kids, right Pastor Chad? You know, but it's worth it, it's wonderful, and grief is like a roller coaster as you go up and down and around and in the dark tunnels and sometimes upside down, you lose your wallet, keys, and false teeth, somebody told me once. But it's hard, it's like a roller coaster, and grief can feel like that where it is up and down with some days being worse than others, but the gospel brings purpose in the pain. It proposes that sometimes God allows someone or something to pass away to avoid future evil or pain. Isaiah 57 verses one through three. It assures us that God will somehow take this bad thing and make something good out of it. Somehow, Romans 8:28. Though we may not see that for a while. The gospel encourages us to cherish life enjoy the time we still have and to fulfill our purpose and plan that god has for us jeremiah 29 verse 11 it also enables us to cherish our loved one's memory and honor their legacy the greatest example of purpose in the pain is the lord jesus christ he cried over death in John chapter 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the scripture where Jesus cried or Jesus wept as his friend Lazarus had passed. And there's other reasons as well, but one was because of grief. And he, Jesus felt our weaknesses in Hebrews 4, verse 15. He suffered unimaginable pain for the purpose of rescuing us, Hebrews 12, 2, and 3. And Isaiah 53 reminds us that he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He carries our sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. The gospel-centered approach to grief brings us purpose in the pain. In conclusion, I want to show you a picture of my brother. This is my brother on the screen. My brother and I, two years apart, and we had a great childhood, growing up in a Christian family. Parents loved God, people of faith, and all of that was wonderful. And we had some great times. I'll never forget when we were playing hide-and-seek in our house, I was 10 years old, eight years old, and, and I went to count, and in my unchanged high-pitched voice, I counted one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 20, and little Mark went to hide. My parents had walked across the street to Grandpa's house. We turned all the lights, locked the front door, having a good time. After two minutes, I said, Mark, I can't find you. Where are you? Some of you might have heard this story. Couldn't find him. He still wouldn't make a sound. Couldn't find that little guy. Two minutes later, I said, Okay, Mark, you need to come out. You know, where are you? Come on out. Still wouldn't make a sound. I said, All right, game over. And he flipped on the lights. I said, Mark, you better come out. I'm going to get in trouble. Where are you? I need to see you. And and little Mark poked his head out of the washing machine. There he was hiding. And that's one of a multitude of stories that I could share with you in memories. But on March the 1st, 2018, not just a little over three years ago now, I was talking with my brother as he was, had been encouraging me and praying for me, saying, I believe you really need to start some kind of ministry uh, there in uh, the Ventura County area, a nonprofit, just helping people with grief, helping people uh, with spiritual questions and those type of things, and apologetics and those type of th- things. And he just encouraged me. And I'll never forget that conversation that morning. he said, I'll be the, I want to be the first one to support you financially. And prayerfully, he'd been praying and encouraged me all that time. An hour and a half later, I drove to Ojai, California, to a cancer recovery center. We we're getting uh, recovery center getting ready to start a, a bereavement group there for cancer survivors. And as I was there, my phone started ringing like crazy, and I did not know what was going. On. I was like, "Well, I'll answer that. minute, I need to finish this meeting here." And finally, I said, well, "I'm going to have to take that." I mean, I mean, 20 texts, 10 voicemails. It was just going crazy. So I finished that meeting, walked outside, and looked at my phone, and family was saying, call me, call me, call me now, emergency, and they had assisted. They said, you need to stay right where you are, don't drive right now, and I was like, what in the world happened, and finally got on the phone and found out that my brother had had a heart attack, and had passed away an hour and a half after our conversation. Left a wife, three kids, 14, 12, and 10. He was a minister in a church, youth minister, a wonderful man, caring, loving guy. Just loved God, loved people, loved life itself. And I, went, I began my first e- extremely real journey in grief e- even as a counselor. He was my best friend, younger brother, just wow. And I went through shock and the, the denial and through bargaining, acceptance, anger, went through all that and they still circulate by the way. And it was a hard situation. I never forget, And as I made plans to go out and, and have part in officiating that service, that was the hardest thing to do. I thought I was gonna have a heart attack myself through the whole service. Just sick to my stomach, just thinking, this can't be real, this can't be real. I took a year to process my own grief. I went to bereavement groups, though I facilitated a couple of the largest in the area of 25 people at times. But I was struggling. I was learning the depths of feeling this. A year later, which I encourage people don't make any major decisions if you can in the first year of grief, if possible, just so you don't want to make something on emotion. On the one year anniversary or so, I knew that God was leading me and challenging me to start that ministry that my brother first inspired me to do. And so, with God's help, we started Mark Ministries and we named it In Honor and Memory of My Brother Mark, but obviously for the glory of God. To help people believers and non-believers to help churches, businesses, so many people in their grief journey because grief affects everyone, whether we have faith or not, everybody. And I firmly believe that either you are grieving a loss in the past, you're grieving one right now, or you're going to grieve one soon and in the future. It comes to all of us. And so I am just so honored to be able to be here today, to be able to share that, and before you leave, I would encourage you to get one of the cards, there's this picture, it tells a little about the story, it's got the web address and everything on there, and I would encourage you to do that, and I would really strongly encourage you to pray for Mark Ministries. Many doors are opening, um, you can personally donate on there, you can send me email if you have questions, or whatever, and it's just an honor to be able to share his story as it helps me moving forward. And I know there are many of us here, probably all of us, we have some type of grief story, some type of loss. But I would encourage you today, there is good news in the bad news. And it's found in the person of Christ. He is alive, woo! Thank God he is alive. Thank God that I'll see my brother again and you'll see your loved ones again. I don't know how I can make it without that hope. And so what an honor it is for me to share this with you today. And I hope that this was helpful and a blessing to you. Let us pray. God, you are so good you are so loving, so good, how you can take even our pain, though you don't send it our way, you don't rejoice and like this, the things that are broken in our world, and death and pain and suffering, but yet you, because of your power, love, and goodness, you can somehow bring something good out of those things eventually. And God, that's a hard thing. I didn't see it for a long time didn't understand it and still struggle with it at times. But God, I pray that you'd help us to take all these things that were said today and just remind us that you are alive and there is good news. And this gospel-centered approach to a grief-stricken heart, this is what we all need and really what we want. And I pray that you would help and guide us this day. In Jesus' name, I pray.